0: Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D.
1: Simone. Welcome, Warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. So, a couple of things happened recently that inspired today's episode. I'm reading this really interesting book, Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men, by Caroline Criado Perez. And she states early in the book, quote, most of recorded human history is one giant data gap. The lives of men have been taken to represent the lives of humans overall. End quote. And this idea that our culture is riddled with gaps or recognition of the female experience in films, city planning, even our history is a reality that she identifies in the book. And I think that most women see and understand. And the question is, what does that mean when we consider it with the second part of what inspired this episode is new California legislation being passed related to gender neutrality in how toys are merchandised within the store? And I guess I'm wondering if perhaps we incorrectly believe that gender neutrality is the same as gender equality, or are there unintended consequences of gender neutrality in terms of making us actually less gender equitable? And of course, because one of my best friends is an industrial designer and a person with decades of toy experience and also a warrior, I felt like I needed to invite her onto the show to have this important conversation because although it is about toys, which may seem inconsequential, it speaks to the very heart culturally of how we feel about what is the norm, what gender represents in the norm, and what neutral really is. So I welcome Erica here today to talk about this.
0: Hi, Kimberly. It's great to be here.
1: I'm so happy you're here because I worry sometimes that there's this unintended malbias that attempts to pass itself off as gender neutral and that we have to be really mindful of that. I know we've had conversations about this. I was hoping you could talk about kind of distinguishing what we mean when we say gender neutrality versus the idea of gender tolerance.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. When this law was passed, I went and dug into it a little bit because as a toy designer, when I'm designing, Gender neutral toys, (laughs) I have found that they often skew boy, right? There's just more tolerance in the marketplace for that with the stakeholders. So,
1: right. And I do have to interrupt and say it's interesting, right? Because you have two girls mm -hmm. that are younger, and I have two boys that are younger. So we have these similar ideologies but different experiences as you said in what you know what will boys tolerate in terms of the representation of what is considered stereotypically feminine versus what girls are accustomed to seeing yeah and I right. would I would argue that
0: comes parents right there's still the people with the wallets making the making the choices but to, to answer your first question I was I was reading this article and I thought this quote was really interesting so gender neutrality represents the absence of gender not the tolerance of different gender expression, right? So if we only emphasize the former, in my words, I believe girls lose. And what she wrote was, I believe femininity and the people who express it will remain devalued, which you speak about so often.
1: Yeah. I think that that's really at the heart of what we're talking about here today, which is when we have noble intentions. And I do think, that the goal is to create a more gender-equitable world. But we have to be mindful of a history of male androcentrism, which is the idea that male is the default, and that which is male tends to be considered the norm. Simone de Beauvoir, the writer and uh, philosopher, said, humanity is male, and man defines women not in herself, but as relative to him. She is not regarded as an autonomous being. He is the subject. He is the absolute. She is the other. Mm -hmm. And I think when we look at products, we see this all the time. She is other. He is the default is when we see where there's women's razors and then just razors. The razors are men. The (laughs) pink razors are the women. So So,
0: yeah, in the toy industry, you have two t-ball sets and one is colored red, white, and blue. You could call that the American T ball set, I guess, or the, you know what I mean? Right. But it's called the T ball set. And then one is colored pink, purple, and white. And instead of just calling
1: it a T ball set, they say girls' T ball set. Right. It's not the other T ball set. Right. There's the default, which is colors that are accepted as neutral, but really mean colors that men, are more comfortable wearing, associating with, and then there's the female colors and those are considered the kind of other. And I think that's what Simone de Beauvoir was saying when Mm -hmm. she's saying that too often the viewpoint of men is confused as the absolute truth for all and the norm and the neutral. And I think that's the biggest concern I have. I, I love the idea of gender neutrality, but I fear That we mean when we say gender neutral, neutral is the default and that the default tends to be male. And so what does that mean for girls and women?
0: Yeah. So before we jump in like really into that, I just I want to clear up for our listeners who might be like, well that's not exactly what the law is saying, for people who know it. So this law really spurred the conversation. Let me just for people who don't know. Um so the California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into legislation Assembly Bill 1084. If you want to go look it up, it's Assembly Bill 1084, which will force large retailers to have non-gendered toy sections starting in 2024. The law won't prohibit stores for having traditional boys or girls sections, but it will require them to have a reasonable selection, whatever that means, right? I haven't dug into what that means, reasonable selection, of toys and items in a gender-neutral section, regardless of whether they have been traditionally marketed to either girls or boys in the past. So that's what's happening in California, according to what I've read. It has been it was spurred by a, a woman who was... Mentioning that she was walking in the store with her daughter to the assemblyman and saying, she asked why she wasn't allowed in the boys aisle. And that's kind of what spurred the whole conversation. And that's what led to this, this bill. So this is then what spurred our conversation here, where we're not exactly talking about this bill, like saying whether this bill is right or wrong, it just spurring the conversation of what is gender neutrality? Because it made me as a toy designer start to think like, what could this turn into?
1: And what does this really mean? And start to be curious and ask more questions. Yeah. And so of course, when you brought this up to me, two things jumped out at it and i cannot help but consider this within the context of two theories that are so important to talk about here and the first is the idea of androcentrism or male as the default and this is throughout history and a perfect example if we say men we mean women and men but if we say women we don't mean women and men mm-hmm. so one can be the default. The other is not. If we hear all men are created equal, we're meant to believe that that means men and women. But if we hear all women are created equal, we take that to mean women, right? So male is everyone, women is women. So there isn't a neutrality there. And I think it's really important to consider in everything. If we say actor, it can be a man or a woman. But if we say actress, we mean female. And so all of the male is neutral. We consider the male the neutral. We don't consider the female the neutral. I mean, nobody says actress. Well, that can mean a man or a woman. Um, That's just not something we do with gender-neutral words. So, we know our language is deeply entrenched in a male as the center, male as neutral. And so, then it begs the question, when we say neutral, do we mean male? And you talked about the toy aisle, right? And the idea is, can a doll or the color pink, live in neutral. And I want to talk about that because when we talked about this, I laughed out loud when you said, it's the end of pink and purple's not far behind. And I also want to talk then about gender socialization theory. We definitely, from the time of conception almost, when a person knows they're having a baby, begin the process of socializing gender-wise. There's research that shows If we know we're having a girl, the way people talk to the baby when you're 13 weeks pregnant is different. So this idea of nature versus nurture is complicated. We socialize almost immediately. The process by which individuals are taught how to socially behave in accordance with their assigned gender based on their biological sex happens very quickly, almost um, on a subconscious level. And so that's a part of the conversation as well, which is there is a particular expectation of what is female and what is male. And then if we say neutral, okay, so let's put those pieces together. If what is male is a set of rules that are part of our culture and part of our society, and then what is male is considered default or neutral, and you have to make things neutral, what does that mean? Those are the kinds of things we need to talk about in terms of some of the consequences that might happen.
0: What I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, and I think we're learning as a society, but I hope we're learning and becoming more nuanced with the understanding of the realities of gender and how it's a continuum, right? We have a mix of masculine and feminine energy within us in every child, right? So my concern, it not today, we kind of look out and you're like, okay, if this is what's happening now and this whole gender neutral thing's happening... Based on past data points, which you just spoke about, we start to lose more of the feminine play pattern because when I'm asked to make a gender neutral toy, I'm often asked to make it less feminine in the play pattern, right? But we don't want to lose that from our society. We learn through play. These play patterns need to be a continuum of masculine to feminine play patterns across the whole spectrum it's so important to have that offered for our parents and caregivers because children need that whole range of play.
1: Yeah. What you're talking about is so, (laughs) it's it's huge, right? Because you're actually talking to a degree about what is valued in our society. And, you know, I talk a lot about how we have conversations about empowering girls and empowering women. And I'm all for that. Not because women don't have power or should have to ask for it, but because of a history of you know, who has had the power, right? Who had to fight for the power and who always had it, right? And that's indisputably a male-female situation. That we have to constantly remind women to step into their power and remind men to acknowledge. And power really to me means acknowledge our power, respect our power. And I think there's something to this idea of what's valued. You know, what's the equivalent of empower women to have men become more nurturing and more kind? And again, I'm not saying men aren't kind or that women aren't powerful, but I'm talking about stereotypes. I'm talking about gender socialization. I'm talking about this idea of, you know, nine out of 10 violent acts are men. And yet we don't sit there and say, wow, we've got to take a step back and start to really focus on how to empower men to be more gentle, to express their emotions in good ways and so forth, but we have to empower women to be more aggressive and to stand up for themselves. And so that really speaks to this bigger issue of what's valued, right? Do we really value these things as a society? And that's much larger than where we drop a toy in the toy aisle. However, conversations like this that emerge make what's happening important. Because it it makes us sit back and go, okay, so is the doll included in the neutral toy aisle? And is the pink anything included in the neutral aisle. And I, I have to use this example. And you and I are both huge Harry Potter fans and our children are like obsessively Harry Potter fans. That is definitely something we agree upon. But you and I have- it's Definitely gender it. neutral. It definitely has hit both the girl house- Right. And- <laughs> you have two girls. I have two boys. Most people would say it's gender neutral. But if you took the exact story, mm-hmm. you changed nothing. You still had- the three top characters be Ron, Hermione, and Harry. Two boys and one girl, except the name of the book was Hermione Granger and the Sorcerer's Stone. Would that book have ever been as popular? I'm sorry. I just don't think it would be. I think if you have Hermione Granger and the Sorcerer's Stone, that becomes a powerful girl book as opposed to a gender neutral book. Unfortunately, right? That's at the heart of it. But I fight this battle every day with my son. I have a teenage son who, you know, looks at these books and says, well, that's not for me. There is a female heroine in the book that is for girls. And you mentioned earlier, you know, we as parents, we make the decision with our dollars, but there's only so much one voice can combat a world that is screaming, right? So as a mom- no, and
0: to be clear, he's a teenager now, right? Like I'm- I'm living in the world of three... three
1: but disasters. he's a teenager with a feminist scholar mother who's been trying no, to tell true, him that's true. okay. And still, I mean, if I I have a pretty loud voice about this and I've pushed back constantly, but yeah. he lives in a world that constantly tells him if there's a girl on the cover of the book, if the character in the lead is a girl, if the movie is a lead that's about a female, that is a girl. But women don't feel that way and girls don't feel that way. And we absolutely Harry. grab the Harry Potter book. And so... I think it's about eyes wide open, right? We know this to be true, okay? And we know that neutrality is seen as if it's male, it's neutral; if it's female, it's not. It raises the question you said, and you know, the title of the episode: "In Gender Neutrality, Do Girls Lose? Do Women Lose?" And I think that that's an important question we have to ask, and we have to keep challenging that, right?
0: I would argue that it' not just women; anybody that falls toward that more feminine. Play pattern will lose. One of the things toys do, especially in this age range, right? Is it's that fantasy based magical thinking years, right? Ages three okay. to seven. Okay. It's fantasy based storytelling and you're putting yourself in this fantasy and, and it's, it's about equality, right? It's, it's not just equality of gender. It's equality of social economics. I've even had discussions where it was such a profound discussion. It was, Somebody had mentioned, a, a professional who like, looks at our products, had mentioned, well, one of your stories is imagining being on a boat. Isn't that not fair socioeconomically? Because not everybody has a boat. So then I was like, okay, so, so we do something different. And another person said, well, hold on a second. Isn't part of this about imagining yourself in a different way?
1: Even in an aspirational way or in an aspirational way.
0: And isn't that also powerful? And it was profound and it has stayed with me. I'm like, yes, because that is what play is. So when you think about this fantasy-based storytelling, right? And if you take it and we gender neutralize it and we put it toward the masculine and not toward the feminine, not everybody is being able to see themselves and then be able to create that sense of self, right, as we're growing and learning through play about ourselves, not just about society, and we all need representation. And play patterns also are included in that. It's not just me now having a seat at the executive table, it's also (laughs) our children seeing themselves in the play
1: patterns that we are putting on the shelf. Well, right, and this is where I struggle, okay? I'm going to go back to Harry Potter here. I look at Hermione Granger, and I love her character. Mm -hmm. I I am not faulting J.K. Rowling for not having... Hermione Granger and the Sorcerer's no, it's Stone.
0: Masterful. She, her book would have never made it past the gatekeepers.
1: Right, and if it did make it, it would have been placed firmly next to Anne of Green Gables. But I do think it's you know having to create things that are palatable in a culture that says is Hermione Granger leading as opposed to being in that support role. So I guess this all raises the question, and it is something for us to think about and challenge, which is if we walk down that neutral aisle. Will we see books with girls? Will we see dolls? Will we see pink things? I, I don't know. Their goal,
0: my inference, my understanding is that that you would see Spider-Man next to Barbie, right? Like right. It's a mix. So it'd be the doll aisle because we all know that Spider-Man and G.I. Joe, they're dolls. Right, right.
1: <laughs> Actually, biggest scam ever is saying that boys don't play with dolls and then having this billion dollar Action figure industry, which is really just boy accepted, boy
0: accepted doll play. That's exactly. So let's say that now there's like a doll section, and in that doll section, it will be Barbie with Spider Man and and all the things. So that is, I believe, the intention. Because when I first heard it, I was like wait a second. Hold on. I have to start making everything gender neutral. Then I went and I looked a little deeper and that's not the intent. The intention is to not segregate any longer the aisles. Well, And
1: then you wonder, does that open up the conversation to a parent walking down an aisle with a child who says they want a particular toy and sitting there going, well, no, you can't have that toy because you're a boy and it's pink or you're a girl and it's an action. Now you need a really
0: good friend to step in and be like, Let's dissect that a little bit. <laughs>
1: right. Or does that aisle at least give that child a chance to even raise yeah. the question to the parent? But I think what you're saying here is so critical. We can't do these things in a vacuum. So That's we okay. have to look at laws like this and we have to question them. I'm not saying question the intention. I think the intention is noble but we do have to say what might the unintended consequences of this be because then we can try to mitigate the unintended consequences. But also to say, as this happens, what are the outcomes or the next things that happen once you do this. And the next things that happen are, well, you're going to have more children in an aisle seeing toys that maybe they never had seen before. And so how are we going to talk about that in terms of the way parents have conversations with their children? are we helping parents have those kinds of conversations with their children? You know, what are we doing as a society to prepare people better to think differently about the kinds of play patterns, because this is really at the core of some deeply entrenched stereotypes and biases in our culture of what it means to be feminine, what it means to be masculine, what is valued. We've talked about this. You can take the most stereotypically male play pattern, building, bugs, dinosaurs. And I'm not saying these are male because girls love dinosaurs and bugs too, unless someone teaches them not to, but we can take these traditionally boys like spiders and snakes and girls like teddy bears and unicorns. Okay. That's the stereotype. And we can take these masculine quote unquote, stereotypical toys like bugs and construction and so forth. And all we need do to have people say, well, that's too girly is change the color or tell a story about God forbid friendship or caring. And you take a toy that is traditionally male and you talk about caring and then you say, well, that's too girl. And I think, well, boys care, they nurture, they love as well. And it's not about that. It's about what's valued. What do we value in the boy versus the girl? We value the strength and we value the toughness. And in girls, we value the nurturing and that thinking has long-term consequences. And so, a little bit we're talking about toys but part of that is and i want to have you talk about this a little bit play is learning and mm-hmm. so some of the earliest Things we learn about the way we interact with others, the way we think ourselves, the way we interact with society are from those first play patterns that we develop. And so they have an impact. It's kind of like a full circle, right? The way we play with them has an impact. What we're told about how we're allowed to play with them has an impact. As I get
0: older, I just realize how much my life has now become not about learning new things, but
1: unlearning things. Yeah. I think unlearning is one of the most important things we have to do with gender equity. We have to unlearn so much. It's really hard.
0: Well, you have to notice it, right? And then you have to unlearn it. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of that happening as we get older. But to to your point, I kind of mentioned it before, it kind of goes back to, we have to really protect the range and diversity of our play patterns. And I know that some might be listening and say, but that's not what the, the law is doing, right? They're trying to help. Right. Right. Yes, they are. And when Kimberly talks about unintended consequences, my mind goes to gatekeepers, which are the buyers for that shelf space. And the almighty dollar decides. Right. And let's just say that for some reason they're like you know what our our boy and gender
1: neutral is just earning more dollar per square inch it of course to- because girls will buy boy toys right. but boys don't buy girl That's toys right. so boys toys are always going to outperform okay but so you're allowed you- to buy an action figure but you're not allowed to buy a barbie so yet
0: data makes it even worse for us right because those skews that are gender neutral and boy could outperform in the space so then buyers are gonna be like well gender neutral is performing better. Right. Because they're getting both the boys and the girls to buy and the girls potentially buying the boys toys because I grew up playing with Voltron and G.I. Joe and all that stuff. If Let's just say the space starts performing less for, for a multitude of reasons, right? That girl. So now me as a toy designer, I am being encouraged and asked, well, the buyers are looking for this, right? And so I'm starting to design more gender neutral play patterns, which we've already talked about, right? I think you've got it at this point that those were you to a male play pattern. So my worry about protecting that range and diversity of play patterns, because it's imperative the child's development to see a sense of self. And isn't that what DEI is all about? Diversity, equity, inclusion, seeing yourself and to be able to imagine a world where you belong and where you can create the world you desire matters. I mean, I'm a toy designer. I love being a toy designer, but play really matters.
1: I think stories matter. And I think that that's another entire episode, but the idea of, Who are the heroes in the stories? Who is at the center of the story? And I had seen a uh, TED talk and there was an author who talked about how her daughter and son were watching the movie Mm E.T. And the boys loved it. And the girls like, well, I want to be a part of it. And she wanted to understand why the boys got to help save E.T. But the girls didn't. And so there is this whole history. And I think that's where we go full circle to the invisible women and the data bias. When we talk about a data bias, we don't mean the bias favors men. We're saying the data doesn't include women. The stories, the history, so much of it don't include women. And so when you talk about seeing yourself in it, it's hard to see yourself in a place where historically you haven't been allowed to be. Tell the story you told me about this. Yeah, the story is of an anthropologist who was teaching a class and she talked about the calendar and who created the first calendar. And she said to the class, why would a man be looking at 28 days ever? And you're like, wow, that's mind-blowing. Of course, it would be a woman who would be looking at a 28-day calendar. And so, we have never really looked at history and gone back and said, well, wait a minute. You're just assuming that that great art, that cave painting or drawing, that calendar was a man versus a woman. And then- Later, we know that women were doing things and, you know, composers were putting music out under their husband's names because they wouldn't be published otherwise. And the same thing happened with books. And so we've got this very gendered history, right? It's not complaining. It's saying eyes wide open, right? We don't understand what gender neutral means because gender neutral is embedded with. Male as default, androcentrism, we still today keep our offices at temperatures based on what is ideal for men, the kind of room temperature they enjoy the most. Shelves and businesses are built for the average male height. Crash test dummies are largely based on the average male body type. So there's a host of things. And if we go in with eyes wide open and we look at things like gender neutrality, and we allow it to be a springboard for bigger conversations, important conversations, that's really important. But I think not having the conversations is both irresponsible because we're not mindful of the consequences, but also a missed opportunity, a missed opportunity to say, okay, this is one thing we're doing. But if we do it alone, it's like one piece of hair that snaps easily as opposed to that full braid that is much tougher to snap. And so how do we weave in those other pieces and build off of this? And I'm not saying we have the answer to that here, but we certainly want to raise those types of questions and we hope listeners are raising those types of questions It may be having those conversations in stores with their spouses, with their family members, with everyone to say, you know, you have to really be mindful of how this is the default. And why would you say that that's girly just because it's about nurturing? Think about what you're saying here. Take a step back and interrupt. I talk a lot about interrupting bias patterns. And I think having these conversations is about interrupting when norms and historical context are so overwhelming that it's so easy to fall into that trap, right?
0: Yeah, I love just having this opportunity to have this conversation today. You know, we're not here to say whether the new California law is right or wrong. What it's done is it's sparked a conversation about thought leadership for us all to kind of get together, at least you and I to get together and say, Hey, what do you feel from a gender equity expert point of view? And then how do I feel? And I know we joke around and I'm like, pink's going to lose their job. You know, we joke around (laughs) about
1: that. Um, And don't get too comfortable purple either. That's right. And purple is over there (laughs)
0: consoling pink. Um, But, you know, little boys love pink too. And little boys love purple too. A lot of it does come down to gatekeepers. So maybe this law is good because it's asking the gatekeepers to be more accountable.
1: And I think it's challenging, right? And this is where it comes full circle to getting more women in leadership roles. More women in publishing need to be sitting at the table when J.K. Rowling comes in and believe that Hermione Granger and the Sorcerer's Stone is a book that can sell. That's a starting point. And we need women in all areas because they're going to help make those decisions in that direction. And you know, I always have a manifest statement at the end. Going back to Simone de Beauvoir, we have to remember that Man is regarded as both the positive and the neutral. So if we know this, we come in with eyes wide open. It's not a judgment call. It's not good, bad, or indifferent. It's pragmatic. We know that often male is the default. We know that all men are created equal means all men and women, but all women are created equal does not. We know that actor means women and men, but actress does not. And we can go on and on about that. So if we know this, as we march into this, future of more gender egalitarian world, more gender equitable world, more gender neutral world, we have to go in with eyes wide open and understand the full complexity of our history, the context, and the gender perceptions that are still pervasive in our society.
0: Conversations like this are imperative, you know, for our future and where we want to go. And I think there's always steps in the right direction, but we're always going to have to reevaluate those steps and see what the unintended consequences are because there will be. And, you know, I've been designing toys for 25 years, so it's taken me a long time to even understand my own um biases and nuances of how things have been ingrained in culture. Like I said, I'm constantly unlearning. Um, well, and also, yeah, your,
1: your field even of industrial design is fairly male-dominated, right? And so here you are in this world of, okay, this is a, a male mindset in terms of even what a toy does, how play patterns work and so forth. And you're bringing that different perspective and coming up against all of those challenges. Even if you look at like, Oftentimes, larger companies are divided into
0: teams, right? So toddler, preschool can all be like women and men, both designing that. Girls team, women and men on that team. But on the the core boy, I've never known a female designer to work on the core boy.
1: It is interesting to think about what I can tell you is that... I am so glad, as we move into the idea of gender neutrality, that women like you, pioneers, people fighting the good fight, are having a seat at that table and having that impact because that voice is so important. And I'm so glad that more women like you are a part of that conversation. Thank
0: you. We have to defend and protect our core play patterns, and they need to be diversified play patterns. and for all children to see who they are, wherever they lay on that continuum of masculine to feminine, it's a mix. We are learning that, that is spectrum, right? And it's really important to be a champion in protecting the variety of play patterns so that all of our children can see themselves in play. All of our children can aspire and create the world in which they feel like they
1: belong and the world they want to live in. And I and love together. that. And I think it's a natural progression when we talk about the importance of learning and play at a young age in terms of shaping and creating more diverse mindsets, more equitable mindsets. I think that is a step in the right direction. I think that was beautifully said. And I thank you so, so very much for bringing these awesome insights. And I think this is something we all need to keep an eye on moving forward. Thank you again. Excellent. Thanks. Bye-bye. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at advancingwomenpodcast. I love getting your feedback. So please email me at Simone at advancingwomenpodcast.com I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior, who wrote the music for this podcast, and a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior, who designed the Advancing Woman podcast logo, and thanks to all of you for joining me here today.